inherent in the traditions and inherent in many of the bylaws and the concepts. Uh, there, there's basically protections against uh, the ego-driven uh, control for control for control for control for Hey everyone, it's the Monty Man, and you are about to take part in the experience, the strength, and the hope of this episode of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. What's the mama say? Bang your head against the wall. Can't find peace of mind, brain needs an overhaul. Bonehead, brain dead, we're all the same. You can't think straight when your heart is in pain. Turn around, hit the ground, time to lay your burden down. The views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show are those of the co-host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates. The topics and opinions on today's show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice. Take 12 Radio is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Hallelujah. And now, here's your host. The man. The myth. The legend. The Monty Man. That's right. Telling you the truth. I would not lie to you. Good guys, bad boys. We're all the same. It's the name game. of the game. Turn around, hit the ground. Time to lay your burden down. Welcome, one and all, to another fine episode of the Tank 12 Recovery Radio Show. For those of you listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, I'm waving at you. And Marv and Margie are waving at you. Wave. Okay. Hey. We're going to wave. Hello. <laughs> Hello. All righty. Uh, <laughs> so listen, uh, in 12-step groups, there is no such thing as individual authority. No one member dictates or controls the actions of other members of the group. Or do they? Or sometimes maybe they try to. We're going to be talking uh, about our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. When trusted servants become domineering dictators. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> domineering dictators. It happens. Uh, it happens. It's much more common than you than you might think. So there's two things going on in the world of um, 12 step support meetings. There is the real and there's the ideal. The ideal is that we follow these traditions and we respect each other. But the reality of it is oftentimes that is not the case. And so we're going to be talking about this topic. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. But first of all, I got to whine a little bit, Stop if you don't mind. Right there. It's time for Monty Man's Weekly Whine. 
All right. The first order of whining is uh, Dave Fleming is not here. We have no idea why. He just did not show up until the very last minute when he texted me and said, I'm not going to make it today, Dave. Where are you, Dave? <laughs> yeah, Dave. <laughs> yeah, Dave. <laughs> Dave's not here. Um, and, and so uh, we wish him well. I don't know what's going on. I know that he's had some back issues and some health issues, so I, I, I really pray that, that he's okay. Um, but we'll keep you informed about that, uh, and hopefully next week he will be here. We miss him when he's not. Um, so my weekly whine. I wasn't going to do this, but I have, I'm just so fed up with late-night talk show hosts, comedians. I say that tongue-in-cheek because this guy really isn't very funny. Now, I don't care what side of the fence you are politically um, or topic-wise in the world about whatever issue. I mean, a good comedian, one who's actually worth his weight, is able to juggle both sides of the fence and poke fun at either side. I remember years ago, as one of the reasons I loved the David Letterman show years ago and Johnny Carson years ago, because they didn't take sides. They just poked fun at both sides, right? They were able to do that. But evidently, one of the worst late-night comedian or nighttime uh, comedian uh, talk show hosts, Mr. Jimmy Kimmel, is totally incapable of doing anything other than day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, his one topic in his monologue is how to bash Donald Trump. Now, I don't care what you think about Donald Trump, whether you love him, hate him, or in the middle of the road. If you're a comedian and that's the only topic, if you can only pick on one topic, Let's say it's potatoes, but you talk about potatoes in your monologue every single week for years. It's getting a little old. Come up with something new, Mr. Kimmel. You're not that good, evidently, uh, at what you do. If you, if you can't broaden your scope, you know, and so some people say, well, if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Yeah, I don't anymore. But I do channel surf, and every time I go by him, it's the same thing. So would somebody please explain to me why somebody, I mean, I, I get that it's a hot topic and it's been a hot topic for years, but there's millions of things to make fun of. Try picking another topic. What do you think, Margie? Have you heard this guy? Um, nope. I can never stay up that late. <laughs> <laughs> Marv, what do you think? You probably don't watch it either. You're not a TV guy anyway. No. Yeah. I, I don't have any idea who he well, is. Well, you're you're fortunate <laughs> uh, because he really, really doesn't have a lick of talent. Uh, and that's, of course, my opinion. I'm overly opinionated. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm right all the time. So <laughs> there you go. There's my weekly whine. That's all I have to whine about. We're going to be right back with the topic. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. When trusted servants become domineering dictators, uh, when we come back, listen to this. Turn around, hit the ground, time to lay a burden down. 
You and I know all too well how talented folks in recovery are. KHLT Broadcasting, the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show, and the Recovery Broadcasting Network are handing you the opportunity to share some of that talent. If you've ever written your own songs and have always wanted to share them publicly, here's the chance to share your talent with thousands of people all over the world through Internet Radio. For the next several months, the Monty Men will be reviewing songs written and performed by people in recovery. Whether you're an accomplished musician or a novice, he wants to hear from you. All forms of music will be considered. Adhering to federal copyright laws and possible contractual agreements, some restrictions may apply. To submit your original music by email, send MP3s to Take12Radio at Comcast.net. That's T-A-K-E, the number 12, radio at Comcast.net. Or drop your CD in the mail addressed to KHLT P.O. Box 93, Albany, Oregon, 97321. And Monty Man, Monty Man, don't forget that really important thing. Uh, what's that, Cecil? No inappropriate language. This is a G-rated radio station. So please, keep it family friendly. Hey, Cecil, you remembered. Hey, check it out. The best in recovery talk and positive music radio is now available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, and Podomatic. Simply visit any of these platforms and search for Take 12 Recovery Radio. Listen and download hundreds of our shows for fun and for free. Also available at Take12Radio.com. All right, welcome back to the show. Now that I've lost half our listeners because I criticized their favorite nighttime comedian. Um, and I'm sure he'd have some choice words for me, too. But that's all part of making good copy when it comes to uh, talk radio. All right. Well, the 12 traditions, for those of you who don't know, um, because there's people that listen to our show that are, do not attend 12-step meetings, but other forms of support meetings. Um, let me give you just a little education here on the 12 traditions. 12 traditions are the principles that keep 12-step support groups like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Al-Anon family groups, um, focused on their primary purpose of fellowship. In the case of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, to, to, to be there, to, to help the alcoholic who still suffers. That's the primary purpose. Um, the 12 traditions serve as a guideline or manual that defines the internal operations of the 12-step programs. The 12 traditions got its start in 1939. In the forward of the first editions of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, due to the quick growth of the group, many questions surrounding publicity, religion, finances, etc., those things came up. In 1946, co-founder Bill Wilson published... Uh, what was called 12 Points to Assure Our Future in the AA Grapevine newspaper. In 1953, he published the book 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. And may I just say, it met with heavy opposition. There were people that did not like that. Um, but it did pass. It was published, and we have it. And um, most of your 12-step fellowships that have adapted the 12 steps have also adapted the 12 Traditions. Uh, and so we're talking today about uh, specifically about tradition two. Now it reads for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is to me expressed himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. 
Uh, group decisions are just that, group decisions after a discussion of all aspects of a given situation, including the minority opinion. The group votes on the issue and an agreement is reached with a majority vote. This vote is called a group conscience. Each group is a fellowship of equals. No matter what an individual member's background, education, or professional expertise, no member has authority over the group. In this way, the fellowship reaches out to all who would seek its comfort and provides the atmosphere of a sense of belonging to all members. But there are leaders. Make no mistake about this. This tradition has been misquoted many times as we have no leaders. Have you ever heard that, you guys? We have no leaders? I haven't heard that. I haven't. I didn't hear it out here, but when I was in the Midwest, I heard it a lot when I was traveling. Uh, but it clearly states that each group does have its leaders. They just have no authority over the rest of the group. Whether they be the group's representative to the area or district or the secretary or treasurer, they have been entrusted with the responsibility to serve the group, not make decisions for it. So before we open this up um, and, and, and talk about maybe some things going on, uh, are that that have are going on or could go on within our twelve step support meetings, or what I like to refer to affectionately as our twelve step wine about your day drink bad coffee meetings. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I say that tongue in cheek, so please don't take offense. Rule sixty two, please. Um, I want you to listen to this uh, this statement by one of the most downloaded AA circuit speakers in the world of the 12 Steps, Mr. Chris S. This comes from a whole series of shows that we did following Walking Through the Big Book called Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. Here's Chris with this short statement. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. So really what, what Bill is saying in that statement is, you know, people are fallible. Human beings are fallible. Uh, in the steps, it basically tells us that we shouldn't rely on human power. Human power will fail us. Right. We, need to, we need to rely on divine power. He's saying the same thing in tradition, too. Uh, the, uh, a group conscious as it expresses itself is is, uh, is is basically a manifestation of uh, of the expression of a higher power, um, you know, the one ultimate authority, and and as that ultimate authority expresses itself in our group conscience, um, you know, in group consciences, um, some of them can be you know slow and brutally painful, but in in a group conscience, uh, you, you know, uh, certain positions are, are put forward. Um, you know, uh, whether to, uh, you know, in the, in the earlier days, uh, uh, of, of, uh, recovery fellowship, uh, attendance, you know, I experienced the, uh, the, the, uh, the change in, uh, a smoking meeting to a non-smoking meeting. Right. And there were some really brutal, uh, group conscience, mm -hmm. uh, at that time. This is about, this is 1990, 91 when insurance, was kicking in and, and really asking places to not allow smoking inside uh, because it made fire insurance too expensive. So, you know, so, uh, uh, so you know, I've been through some of the brutal ones uh, back in the day. But at the end of the day, it's, it's rare, it's rare 
that the group conscience is not the best decision for the group. It may not be your position, but it's rare that it's not the best position for the group. Now, there are, you know, there are uh, <clears throat> exceptions to that, but... Uh, 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 but more, more often, more often than not, uh, the group conscience is a is a better decider than than if you put a leader in charge. You know, uh, inherent in the traditions and inherent in many of the bylaws and the concepts, uh, there, there's basically protections against uh, the ego-driven uh, control freak, and, and the, the group conscience is one of them. All righty. So that's pretty clear, isn't it? That that it's a group decision, not an individual decision. Um, but what do we do uh, when an individual, basically somebody, particularly it's been around a while, right? It ignores our leaders are but tra- now we have leaders. Don't misunderstand. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. What happens when a trusted servant becomes a dominating dictator? And is is that something you guys have experienced? Now, we talk about our personal experiences here on the show. We might ruffle some feathers today, but that's okay. If we can't, if we can't look at ourselves and take a personal inventory and listen uh, at other people's points of view and maybe some of their concerns – and we've been around the rooms for a while, maybe we're not applying and implementing the steps like we should. Maybe we're not really maturing. Maybe we're not practicing 10 and 11 and 12. So how open are we to suggestions and some of the things that disturb other members? Um, remember, unity is a big deal. In tradition one, it's a problem tradition. It's, it, it's addressing the problem of disunity. And it, it's unity. Tradition two is a solution tradition. It's about, you know, uh, the solution that of disunity, and that is that nobody governs this thing. So I'm going to open this thing up because <clears throat> there's been some experiences going on that you guys have to share. So who wants to start with this? <laughs> <laughs> well, for one thing, let me say this. It, it is a tough topic. Yeah. Um, for sure. And um, I, I think... Uh, you know, it, it goes back to what I think a lot about the whole program, really, is you walk through the door, and number one, you have respect for the program. Obviously, it's a success. Mm-hmm. It has been for a long time. So you respect, and that means that you go along with the principles that are laid out. In the, in the written literature, In the right? written literature, yeah. yes. So... Um, what that, because I'm arrogant, self-centered, when I walk through that door, what goes through my mind a lot, not all the time, but a lot of time, mm-hmm. humble up, humble up, humble up. Who do you hell do you think you are? You got to be intentional about that, right? I have to be. Yeah, me yes. too. Yeah. Yeah, I have to recognize that uh, that I can, I can be a... a Stick in the mud? Yeah, let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> a horse's batootie? Yeah. <laughs> so what I see uh, and have seen um, actually more recently than earlier on mm-hmm. is 
this idea that, uh, you know, one of the things people do that I enjoy, they bring in books. And other people take those books home and enjoy them and read them. And, and I, now we're and, talking specifically about non-conference approved AA literature, yes, right? It's yes. non, okay. Now, I realize that AA is not a second-hand store. Sure. But we're talking about somebody brings in a half a dozen books and by uh, three or four hours later, they're gone. This is somebody who brings them in even before the meeting starts. Yes. The meeting hasn't started. They bring them in, and people take them home and enjoy them. And mm-hmm. I, I have done that myself. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have brought a couple of books in from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they're uh, you know, spiritual matters. Sometimes they uh, have to do with recovery, uh, more to the point of AA or something like that. Right. Sometimes they're cowboy books. Sure. Westerns. Mm-hmm. So anyway, more recently, we've had this individual come in, and he sees those, and he throws them in the garbage. It's an outside issue, by God. And uh, and I see this happen um, with uh, clothing articles. Somebody will have something that they think somebody else might need. They bring it in. Right. Now, I'm not talking about shelves of clothing. Right. You know, I mean, a little common sense here, but... Sure. And it gets thrown in the garden. Outside issue. Wow. You know, and uh, and I've seen it, and I've watched it. So so we, we have people in our mm-hmm. meetings many times that that don't have shoes or socks or whatever. And so what you're saying is somebody brings in something and wants to give it to somebody. Yeah. He sits it down on a table where he's going to sit. He gets up to get a cup of coffee. And next thing you know, it's in the trash. Yep. I've seen that happen. All in the name of obeying outside outside issues. issues. (laughs) Seriously. Wow. How... I don't even want to use the word. <laughs> I'm not sure what word to use, except for how arrogant. Yes. How arrogant of somebody to do that. How how dare you? I mean, oh, my gosh. So now when you're talking about books, so, so I, I, I understand, I really do, I understand not reading literature during the meeting out loud that's non-conference approved. I get that. Me too. I totally get that because you can confuse people. Here's the thing that's really interesting about that, though. We we do, in many meetings, read non-conference approved literature all the time. The Daily Reflections. There's an example. Um, Living Sober. Okay, now that is technically conference approved, but let me tell you something. That thing slipped under the table. They didn't even read it. They ran out of time. They were doing this thing. I mean, it was very the, – the story, Chris, Chris S. can tell you more about it, the, the gentleman that we saw heard the sound clip from. But that wasn't something that was studied and decided upon. That was just kind of thrown out there. Right, but we've read non-conference approved literature for years. The grapevine. The grapevine, yeah. So, but I, but I understand. I do. Somebody brings in something from the Torah, 
or somebody brings in uh, maybe something out of the out of the Book of Corinthians in the Bible, or somebody brings something in from from some spiritual, you know, uh, uh, metaphysics or something like that. Right. You you don't just sit down and read that out loud in the meeting. It's not part of Alcoholics Anonymous per se or Narcotics Anonymous, or Celebrate Recovery, or whatever. It's not part of their pro. I get that. But if somebody's bringing in a book to give to another member, I mean, those meetings for a lot of people, that's that's our family. That's where That's the only time we may even see each other. Because heaven forbid we say hi to each other in the store because, <laughs> oh, my God, anonymity. I mean, I've walked down a grocery aisle before uh, and seen somebody in the program and said, hey, Fred. And they, they, they look away like, oh, my gosh, they're gonna, people are going to know. The store clerk's going to know who I am. It's weird. So many times that is the only place we meet up with each other, right? So if it's before a meeting – or after a meeting, or during the break, do we stop telling people they can't bring these things to the picnic? Right. Or to the campout? <clears throat> I mean, you're sitting around an AA campout, and somebody's singing campfire songs. Those aren't conference approved, are they? <laughs> nope. So how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you deal... Margie, what do you think of that? Is somebody getting in trouble for something? Oh, I... You know, I just think, you know... Uh, where is it going to end? I mean, what about food that comes in? People, oh, it's not conference approved. That's watermelon. People, we don't like watermelon. Right. People bring in cookies or donuts or chili or whatever. I mean, right. when is that going to start being dumped in the garbage? Because it's not uh, AA. It's an outside issue. Um, <laughs> and it's just, I, I just, it's, I think it's uh, gone too far. And I believe that, um, in my opinion, my opinion, it seems as if maybe um, I don't want to take other people's inventory, but oh, why not? Maybe somebody <laughs> like Marv said needs to themselves humble up and and remember that. In fact, I just chaired a meeting here last week that the topic was uh, tradition too, and um, I'm just uh, people were not really willing to say the truth there because mm-hmm. there's some uh, some people who would probably take offense but um, I'm I've just uh, I've seen it when I was in Salem going to AA and same thing there's uh, a person with uh, really long term sobriety who feels um, compelled to uh, kind of consider themselves in charge of the the meeting yeah and uh it, it's to me it's it's just not right because we're all equals whether you have 30 years or 30 days or three days or whatever and um to me it seems like a issue that uh you probably should be talking to your sponsor about you know yeah if you're cognizant of the fact that you're doing it but um, Do you even have a sponsor? Like, yeah, you know, exactly. What kind of sponsor you got if he's co-signing that kind of behavior? Yeah, well, I, I find it just ridiculous, actually. So, so, so here's my thought too. That's not your property, right? I, I mean, okay. Let let's say you have it. Let's say you have an issue with somebody bringing something in 
that may not be the wisest thing to bring into the meeting. All right, uh, let's go with that. Um, isn't there a way to approach the individual without embarrassing them? Isn't there a way to talk to them and say, hey, Fred, hey, hey, Janet, hey, whoever, you know, um, that's really not something that, you know, is conference approved or that's not something that this particular group really likes to endorse. You, you may want to keep that outside the meeting or maybe save it for the smoke break or, or whatever. <clears throat> but isn't there a way, isn't there some sort of polite way to discuss these things instead of just walking by the guy's property and throw it in, in the garbage? You know what that is? That's theft. That's stealing. When you take something that doesn't belong to you and you move it from point A to point B, particularly the trash, that's that's stealing. It's also vandalism. I, I'm sorry, but let's call a spade a spade. And you're working an honest program and you are in a position of trusted servant or elder statesman or more like bleeding deacon, perhaps. Right? Right. So some... Some groups, this is kind of kind of the norm sometimes. Groups can get toxic with this kind of stuff. Uh, I remember when I first started going to a particular group in our area years ago, the chairperson was the same person at every single meeting. This, this particular group had a meeting in the morning, one at noon, and one in the evening. And every single day. And this guy was up there the whole time. And I didn't know any better. I, I thought he was like the president or something. I didn't know, right? right? <coughs> um, the thing that I found interesting as, as I grew up in the program and in the fellowship was nobody said anything. They all did behind his back. But it never came up at business meetings. It never came up as a group conscience. It never. So, what is our job when something like this happens, Marv? What do we do about it? Well, I guess technically it would be brought up at a business meeting, right? And discussed. What do you think would happen? Let's let's talk about the throwing the property away in the trash can. That specific incident. What do you think would happen? Well, you know, they, that's another thing about this second tradition that's going on is, and I like the way a friend of mine put it one day, we were talking about it. He said, we don't, we don't have trusted servants in our business meetings. We have a board of governors. Were they being sarcastic? Yes. Or, oh, okay. And, and in a whole lot of ways, he's correct. Wow. And I've also talked to some other people that uh, have said that our group is the only one who uh, um, operates their business meetings the way they do. So, and how is that? It's like a dictatorship, or I mean, the term I used was domineering dictators. I mean, is it kind of like that? I don't. I don't know how to exactly identify that. Um, but I will say this, the people in charge have a tendency to not want to listen to people they consider insignificant. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So you don't really have a voice if my opinion of you is less than. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. I have seen it come to the point where the GSR has mm-hmm. got up and verbally assaulted the guy in front of the whole group. Wow. Over something that he was trying to figure out. Uh, and maybe add to our guidelines or something like that mm-hmm. <clears throat> to the point where I got embarrassed and I wasn't even involved. So you were embarrassed for the person that was getting chewed out? Yeah. Yeah. So I probably went too far with that question. <laughs> well, no, but you know what, though? Here's the thing. I don't think this is necessarily uncommon anywhere. I I think I, I think any... Any group uh, of, of folks that are meeting together for a specific purpose, whether it's Rotary Club, whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous and everything in between, um, you know, we have bylaws, traditions, guidelines, those kind of things for a reason, because we tend to go off the rail as human beings. And so we have those things in place in these organizations to keep us on track, to keep us focused. We should not be surprised when we go off track on occasion. And that's why we have these things to, to, to go back to. And, and I think it's important um, that, that our leadership be willing to step back when the body as a whole or the group conscience you know, and, but the group conscience or the body has to be willing to step up and say something. They just can't complain about it behind, you know, when the doors are shut and say, hey, guys, I think maybe we're losing our focus here. And then leadership, our trusted servants can step back and say, OK, you know what? I think we should consider that even if they're wrong. Let's consider it. Let's consider it because if as individuals in recovery, if our sponsor or mentor or, or even a fellow member comes up to any of us and says, hey, I think you're going down a road that's not going to benefit you. Some form of maturity would suggest that we be willing to look at that and at least consider it. Right. So why wouldn't we? as a whole, as a whole body. And if we're not willing to, maybe it's time for a clean sweep. Maybe it's time to hit the reset button and what in many circles are called a group inventory where the area or district or region or whatever comes in and steps in because things have gotten so toxic that people don't even realize they're doing this kind of stuff or they're not willing to look at it. That's why organizations like Alcoholics Anonymous do have a set of guidelines for what they call group inventories. One of the most educational things I ever went to uh, was at a convention years ago um, where one of the state representatives or whatever, I can't remember what you call the guy, but he came in, DCM, Um. I was scrambling for the the, the title there. Uh, the DCM came in and explained a group inventory. And I thought, wow, that is a healthy thing. You know, I know in my own personal life, sometimes I have to hit the reset button and wipe everything out and start fresh. 
The problem is if you have a bunch of trusted servants, quote unquote, that aren't willing to even consider that and they've taken control and everybody is scared to death to say anything for fear of being ostracized, then nothing gets done and it becomes a toxic environment. And I think at that point, it's no longer an AA group because two things. The purpose of Alcoholics Alcoholics Anonymous meeting or or fellowship, right, is and the book itself is to help you develop a relationship with a power greater than yourself to help you help you with your problem. If the group isn't doing that, I am sorry, you are in a bad group because you've lost your focus and and something needs to be done. The other thing is when the hand, in this case, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, that the hand of AA as a whole would be there welcoming, not in a condescending manner, not in a judgmental and and harsh manner, but willing to, to put out the hand of fellowship to the alcoholic who still suffers. If it's Narcotics Anonymous, to the drug addict who still suffers. If it's Celebrate Recovery, to those dealing with hurts, habits, and hangups who still suffer. That's the primary purpose. And when that primary purpose is violated because you have a bunch of control freaks that have lost their way, I think that's when somebody needs to step in and we need to hit the reset button. Yes. Margie, what do you think? Hit the reset button sometimes? What about yeah, I think it would be a, a good idea if we could, at our particular group, you know, have a group inventory. Mm-hmm. I know in Salem we've done that before. It's kind of painful, but but I was think Was it, it good, though? Was it a good thing in the long run? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. And uh, But I agree with you that I think there's a lot of people afraid, you know, to speak their mind, and mm-hmm. they don't want to upset anybody or... They don't want to, like you said, be ostracized or cause conflict. But, um, you know, sometimes we have to stir the pot a little bit. Stir the pot. And sometimes uh, we need to to speak the truth so that uh, things can get better. And, you know, that's a part of growing in your program and as a person is being able to communicate difficult things and resolve issues like grownups. And... uh, (laughs) So I, uh, you know, I agree. I, I think a group inventory would be a good idea, and I could see a lot of resistance. So because I happen to, because I have a service position, mm. and so I um, go to the uh, uh, my group's business meeting. Sure. So I I know what Marv's talking about. Is there? I believe there would be quite a resistance there, but. I think it would be really helpful. Now, now I don't. I don't attend this particular group, so I I really don't know anything about that. But I don't need to to know that that kind of thing goes on because I've seen it happen in many groups. You know, uh, so I really don't need to know that because because we're human beings and and that happens. But here's the other part: lots of times we have a lot of bleeding deacons, and they can be newcomers as well as old timers. Right, that are are going to complain and 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 just you know throw the gauntlet down of you know this is wrong, but they won't show up to the business meeting. Yes, I kind of have to say, well, 
then you really need to put up and shut up. Well, part of that, though, too, um, to be fair, mm-hmm. I think, I, I I was just thinking of that yeah. while you guys were talking. Right. And part of that is they're intimidated. Right. They don't feel like they can go to the business meeting and be heard. And be heard. And taken in a manner that would be respectful. Because they probably tried and they're just, they forget it. Tr- yeah. They've tried and... The one individual I'm thinking about is very sincere about wanting to be involved with the group, and he's got good things on his mind. I've talked to him quite a bit, Mm -hmm. and now I don't think he'll ever show up at a business meeting again. See, and and that's tragic. That's tragic. Shame on us for for doing that to somebody. Yeah. You know, and this Mm. I think this also speaks to (coughs) – this is a result many times of lack of, of good sponsorship. Yes. Uh, of good mentorship. Of having a spiritual advisor. Somebody you can kick this stuff off with <laughs> that says, hey, listen, I'll tell you what. I know you're frustrated. I know you don't feel like anybody's listening to you. I, I know you don't feel valued at those business meetings. You know, I'll go, I'm will go. i going to go with you. Let's get back in there. Let's get back in the game. And <clears throat> by God... No, this is my family. I have a right to have my voice be heard, whether it's approved or shot down, either one, and stay put in that chair. But we need people that will support us in doing that. If we got a bunch of people that are afraid and we're all co-signing our fear, we're not going to show up. You know, but I get it. And and if if the trusted servants are alienating people like that, it definitely is time for a restart. That's just crazy. Um, but wow, what a difficult situation, you know. But here we go. This is this is dysfunctional family stuff. <clears throat> Isn't it interesting how we transfer our dysfunction from maybe our immediate families right into our groups? Is there that much difference? Except for this is a huge family, <laughs> right? This is like Thanksgiving at Grandma's. That, you know what I mean? And people are flinging this and that and everything else. And then we have the audacity, okay, let's close in prayer. Or let's open in prayer. You know, and, and I wonder if sometimes that just isn't something we do in rote. You know, I mean, it's just like, okay, we're going we're gonna to open up in the serenity prayer. And there's anything but serenity going on. Right. Uh, <laughs> so what do you guys think this is the solution to this? Oh boy, prayer. Lots of prayer, <laughs> yeah. right? I agree, lots of prayer. Part, part of my solution, I've said this several times, is keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Because it just doesn't do any good to... Um, I mean, I have close friends. Yeah. A tight-knit group that I can talk to. I have a spiritual mentor Mm -hmm. and good friends and i keep it there right and um but marv if you don't speak up well we're kind of speaking up right now yeah well it's like we were saying before the show started that that conversation i was having with my friend and Mm -hmm. it was about politics and the guy gets up and he starts reading out of the 12 by 12 and ostracizing my friend 
you know. And this is before I, the meeting ever starts. Right. This is you're just fellowshipping and, with a friend. And I did speak up then. Yeah, good. Because it was obvious. Yeah. And uh and the guy got mad and left. Mhm. But uh there's a time and a place and I look for that. I I believe in the uh uh a lot of power in observation. Yeah. And so when I say I keep my mouth shut, I don't immediately jump into some sort of aggravated thing right. that's going on. I I watch and I listen, pay attention. If there's something I can do to help, I will. Otherwise, sometimes things are best left alone because they escalate. Sure. So that's the way I... Yeah. What do you think, Margie? <laughs> Ditto what Marv says. I'm trying, I'm learning to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. I, I keep, uh, you know, I think about uh, the big book where it says to practice uh, restraint of pen and tongue. Mm. Mm. So I, I, that's on my mind a lot. And, uh, you know, just thinking things through before I open my big mouth. And As members, though, can't you make a motion to, 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 to put something on the table and vote on it? Or is that being controlled, too? No, I think you can. Uh, again, sometimes our trusted servants don't want to hear it. Mm. I I was at, at I was at the last business meeting, mm -hmm. and I had an idea I wanted to lay out that I thought would be beneficial to the group, and they were in such a hurry to close the meeting that. Um, it never even came up for a motion to be talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've experienced that before I've yeah. experienced and, and I raised my hand. I, we're not going to be discussing anything else today. That kind of thing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what happened. Yeah. So. Wow. Mm. It's a shame. It, 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 it's a shame. Um, transference is real, and we transfer our dysfunction from our homes right into the meeting, and from the meetings into our homes. We we talk about true recovery is you know the test of it is what are you doing outside the the groups? You know, well, I got to tell you, I used to hear that all the time. Well, you know, it's how you treat your family and friends and employer and employees outside the groups to test your recovery. Really. Because guess what? My family was in, is intact. Things are going great. My job's going great. All that stuff. But when I come into the rooms, I feel attacked. I feel like I'm not valued. You know, because of, because of my own personal faith, I've been chased, literally chased out of a group. I mean, where is the, the sense of unity in that? And and those things didn't happen to me by from newcomers. They happen to me by people that have been around for years. You know, that just proves that just abstinence in time does not equal recovery. <laughs> it, it just doesn't. So you're right. Prayers. Lots of prayers. <laughs> you, you, you know, because really they, they, they don't need our condemnation. They need our prayers. Right? Because this is life or death for yes. people. This is life or death. And, and, and my goodness – 
What kind of power trip are you on? It's before a meeting and you're having a discussion about something that has nothing to do with the meeting, but it's before the, again, this is some, some of this stuff is the fellowship before the meeting. We encourage that 15 times 15, right? 15 minutes before, 15 minutes after kind of thing. But that's not the meeting. The meeting hasn't been opened yet. This is America. And you've heard me say it before, you guys. This is the United States of America. And the last place you're going to censor me in is a meeting of a bunch of 12-steppers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we need to use wisdom. I got a story I want to share with you. It's kind of <coughs> it's kind of fun. Um, but it kind of speaks to this stuff. Um it's entitled, A Group Conscience is Necessary. Uh, and, it, and it reads uh, as follows. It was one of those m- memorable meetings that we are sometimes privileged to attend. In Australia, this just lets you know this is a worldwide problem, by the way. In Australia, people do not volunteer to speak at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, but are called by name or pointed to by the chairperson. There's meetings like that in the United States, right? Um, a few pass by simply saying that they will just identify with their name and the fact that they're an alcoholic. But most come up to the front and have a go at sharing. Now, this is common at the SOS Club in Salem. Yes. Right? They will call on people, mm-hmm. and then they have a roll call sheet even for visitors. And then they'll ask a visitor usually, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. would you like to share? The guy from Albany, would you like to share? You know. Um, the story goes on. The person in the chair was an Aussie bloke who called mostly males only to speak. After the first few men spoke, the females were getting restless. After the next few guys spoke, some of the women got really agitated. And then after a few more, mostly male calls, one of the women literally exploded. She stood up and shouted, No, that's it, you sexist pig. Are we invisible? Not worth hearing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh uh, to be on the fly a fly on the wall right our chairperson said look I'm in the chair and I'll call whoever I am moved to pick and it isn't you so sit down and respect the meeting <laughs> I love it oh not exactly the right thing to say to this feminist former street person in recovery in her wrath, she made a beeline for the chairperson with obvious homicidal t- intent. <laughs> Others cheered or jeered as pandemonium erupted. An old-timer jumped up, raised his hands high, and yelled, Group conscience! Group conscience! <laughs> like a chant. A few others picked up on the chant, and momentary silence fell. Tradition 2 on the banner there indicates that I, as a member of this group, can call for a group conscience meeting at any time, and I call for it right now. (laughs) The woman was asked, please state your case to all. She did. Uh, She said that fairness required that women speakers alternate with men until the females had all had a chance to either pass or speak. The man in the chair was then asked to please state his case. He said that he had determined that there were five times more men in the room than women, so he thought that it would be fair to call on women one-fifth of the time. Others were asked for uh, their comments. There were a few more women who felt slighted and only one friend of the chairperson who agreed with him. <laughs> a moment of silence reflected uh, was called for. 
uh, to ask our representative, our respective higher powers to guide us in voting. And then all were asked to close their eyes, except the uh, aggravated woman and the chairperson who would together count the raised hands <laughs> for each method. The woman's boy-girl alternative method was obviously overwhelmingly approved, and we all settled down for a lovely second part of the meeting. It's not the first time I've seen a group conscience called for during a meeting, but it was the most dramatic. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I have been to meetings where it's gone fist to cuff. I've been to meetings where people have taken their cane and tried to beat the other guy over the head with it. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, we know about that one. Dude, I missed that one. In fact, those two same people were involved where the one guy went and got in the other guy's car and stole it and drove down the freeway right. <laughs> with a whole bunch of us following him and the state troopers. Man, I missed some good stuff. <laughs> so I'm telling you, if 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 you think going to your you know respective twelve step meetings is boring, it's anything but. <laughs> it's true. anything but boring. But it's not the worst thing in the world to hit the reset button when people are acting like domineering dictators. It it, it really isn't. So, for those of you that are listening to this show, um, that are getting really irritated right now. That may be a sign that you need to check yourself. Maybe. Right? Who knows? So there you go. All right. Any closing thoughts? Marv, Margie. I think you said it all, Monty. <laughs> you guys said a mouthful, too. Yeah. We're in trouble now, guys. Yep. Well, you know, and I know that, and I and I apologize for that. But on the other hand, I don't. I sure. mean, it, there's a time to stand up and say something. And, yeah. Um, I uh, I hope it gets better. Me too. Me too. Because you know, one one thing I do know, without even knowing anybody in your particular group, everybody there is worth a fair chance and, and is worth being heard. Yeah. Everybody there is worth a great healthy relationship with their higher power. Everybody there is worth somebody taking the time to help them apply and implement this this step step a program and be part of a healthy fellowship. Everybody there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. So, uh really tongue in cheek now. Um this closing song is called Sayings on the Wall, <laughs> making fun of the um the platitudes that we have, you know, but actually in the end of the song, you, you see that the gentleman who wrote this song actually finds value in them. Um, so please listen to the whole song. Don't get your panties in a bunch at the very beginning because, um, well, it's, listen, rule 62, right? If we can't take, poke fun at each other, we're in deep weeds. We really, really are. So here is Michael Purrington with his song, Sayings on the Wall. Don't think... Don't drink, easy does it, first things first All these helpful hints are supposed to kill my thirst Since I got sober, I lost what was left of my mind Coming to these meetings 
sacred sign Nothing is so bad That a drink won't make it worse They never told me sobriety Was a blessing and a curse One day at a time I'm praying not to fall Going crazy What I cannot do alone If that's the best that you can do I should have stayed at home This too shall pass If I keep it simple I can stand the pain But these wonderful cliches Are making mush out of my brain Nothing is so bad that a drink won't make it worse. They never told me sobriety was a blessing and a curse. One day at a time, I'm praying not to fall, going crazy, reading saints. I can't say those signs contain intellectual wealth, but they're starting to make sense, even to a smart guy like myself. They're digging deep down to where my stinking thinking lurks, but I still get pissed off when they say, keep coming back. Mr. Michael Purrington and his band, The Messengers, these guys were literally the pioneers of recovery music back before anybody was doing any of that stuff. Listen, uh, his website is no longer available, um, so we are going to do some work tracking down how you can get a hold of his music, so please be patient with us on that. All right, until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man, along with the Take 12 Recovery Radio family. And we are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. She's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty, meow. Yeah, kitty, 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 kitty.